I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Kent Ritter. Kent is a former management consultant, corporate executive and startup owner, and now is a full-time real estate investor. So first of all, Kent, uh, I just wanna say thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate you doing that and and, uh, taking the time out of your day. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on here, Jason. And uh, you know, it's a, it's a great way to round out a Friday. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear your story. So, with that being said, would you go ahead and give us a little bit of your background? Kind of, um, you know, I know I know you're in the corporate world, but you know, sort of what that entailed, and then and then how that brought you into real estate. Yeah, absolutely. So, like you said, I, I started my career as a management consultant. I uh, was was in that profession for 12 years. Uh, the last, gosh, few years of that profession, I actually started my own business, uh, my own management consulting business with several partners. And uh, we grew that business uh, in five years to about uh, 30 million in annual revenue and 95 employees. And at the end of 2015, we decided it was the right time to sell. And that's what really kicked off uh, my real estate career in a couple ways. One had the capital from uh, that exit, and wanted to diversify and you know not have all my eggs in one basket in the stock market. And real estate uh, really checked all the boxes for what I was looking for. And two, uh, you know, as I was phasing out of, of owning the company, and now for a period of time I'm going to work for the company that we sold to. Uh, I was really looking for a way to uh, get off the road. Uh, And I had a small family uh, or a small family. I had a family that was developing with small kids. And, um, and I wanted to, I wanted to be present for, you know, all the magical moments that, that happen when they're young. Uh, And, and when you're a management consultant, you travel all the time. I was traveling almost every week. And so that, that just wasn't the type of uh, father that I wanted to be. And so for really those two reasons, uh, started investing in real estate, saw it as a way to uh, create passive income and uh, transition, you know, transition out and still have income coming in, but not have to trade my time for money. And, uh, and, and then again, from an investment standpoint, it kind of checked all the, all the other boxes of things I was looking for uh, to complement my stock portfolio. Perfect. So a couple of things, I mean, stood out to me there. One, uh, I think that, you know, that when your family, you've children, that's a common thing, right? I feel like a lot of people, when they have kids, it's easy to sort of work all the time and not think too much about how much you're working before they come along. And then you realize, hey, wait a minute, I, I would rather be home and, and see their, you know, as you said, the magical moments, the things that all of those milestones, what they're what they're going through as they grow up. So that stuff's uh, becomes, you know, sort of front and center. You mentioned that as a management consultant, you, you traveled all the time. Uh, and so 
what I what I found in real estate syndication, there's a lot of travel with that as well. So I'm I'm interested to kind of hear that comparison uh, between those two worlds and and sort of what, how much traveling you're doing, um, and and also I, I just think having built that company, built your own company to to such success, I'd imagine that plays a lot in your ability to now sort of do that same thing in the real estate world. So I, I guess that's kind of where I'd like to go first is just talk about maybe how how that transition was for you, how you how you have used what you learned, your experiences, all of that in the in the management consultant world and then applied that to real estate. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's it's really applicable, right? I, I found that I was very well prepared to be a real estate investor because of, of all the work I had done over the years of, of being a consultant. So when you're a consultant, uh, really what you do is you help businesses solve problems that they can't solve themselves. That, that's why they were hiring us. You know, they, they run to an issue and, and they need help figuring it out. So you spend your whole career solving problems. Um, you also manage teams of a lot of diverse people, a, a lot of folks that you don't have direct influence over, or you, a lot of folks that you can't direct, but you have to influence, right? You have to, uh, folks that maybe they're, they're not your direct employees, right? It's your, your client, other, other vendors, um, a lot of different counterparts and stakeholders that you have to really influence um, versus being able to, to just direct. And, and then lastly, just, uh, you manage a lot of, a lot of large scale projects. So I, I was managing multi-million dollar projects with lots of moving pieces and, and lots of players and parts and all those things also happen in real estate. <laughs> so when you're, when you're an apartment syndicator, I mean, you are managing large scale, multi-million dollar projects. You are working with a lot of different groups, uh, many of which you don't, uh, are not like directly your team and, and you can just really direct and give orders to, you know, even from the property managers you hire, which oftentimes are third parties, right? They're different companies uh, to the different vendors you use to, to the tenants, um, all these people, you really have to, you really have to um, persuade and influence. And so, you know, I think that that was a great skill set. And then, and then real estate really is just about solving problems. I mean, if you can solve problems in real estate, you can make money. And, and it's not about like, if a problem is going to come up, it's when, and it's how you, how you deal with it. And so that was, that's really what I've built my career around is being good at solving problems, being good at, you know, defining the issue and, and being able to identify solutions. And then, and then being really comfortable just managing change. And that's something that a lot of people are, are very uncomfortable with. Uh, you know, uh, we as humans, we, we don't like change. We don't like when things are different. But I've, I've through just years of, of working through it, been able to become very comfortable with change and, and learned how to help other people through change. And I think that that is extremely valuable uh, and translates very well in, into real estate investing as well. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 you're 100%. It's, it's not if problems will arise, it's, it's when they'll arise and then figuring out how to get get through those. Maybe, uh, maybe I should have led with this question, but let, tell, tell us a little bit about your role in your real estate company and, you know, what your role is, what you're, what you're invested in, that kind of thing. So we have an idea of, of 
then we can dive into some of maybe the specifics of those you know pieces that you're managing. Sure. So I, I'm the CEO of Hudson Investing. We are a Midwestern multifamily uh, apartment syndication firm, and so we focus on properties that are you know primarily B class. Uh, we've got a little bit of C class, probably some some B plus. I'd call it uh, properties that are you know, anywhere from, we've got a few properties that were built in the seventies. Most of our properties were built in the nineties and two thousands, um, throughout the Midwest. So currently we have properties in Indy, Indianapolis, Louisville, Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, and Dayton, Ohio. Uh, we sold a, a property last year that we had in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and so now we, we really are kind of wholly focused in the Midwest, uh, and, and actively looking down into Eastern Tennessee, um, Georgia and, and Alabama, as well as we, we kind of expand our territory. Um, outside of the acquisition side, we have a, a development arm as well. And we have three development, ground up development projects going on right now where we're building um, about 300 units across three different projects. And, uh, and so, really, as CEO, I oversee the operations. Uh, you know, I've got a team of eight that works under me. But I have a, a direct hand in really what I consider the three verticals of the business, one being acquisitions, two being um, capital, both debt and equity, and then three being execution. And so, you know, asset management and, and how are we performing on those properties that we already own? So while, while I have individuals in each of those lanes, I really oversee all of that. Yeah. And it, coming from, you know, the background that you had, you I'm sure that that transition into sort of being the CEO of this team and, and managing all that probably wasn't probably wasn't as hard for you as it might be for a lot of people that are coming in from, you know, maybe not having that same level of background in terms of business management. How did that work for you? How did you, did you just kind of, I've talked to people that have done it in, in different ways where it's like, oh, we start, you know, we're bootstrapping or I did everything in the beginning. And then you sort of over time hire people on. I've also talked to people that are treated it like, like the business that it is right from day one and they're hiring employees and have people, you know, kind of in each of those lanes that you described. What, what was your approach to it? Yeah, I mean, a little bit of both. It definitely has grown over time. Uh, and, and the portfolio has grown over time. The, the need for additional uh, additional staff team members has grown over time. But I definitely looked at it like a business from the beginning, you know. And I think that's that's important for folks. I, th I think you you do have to realize, like as a real estate investor, you're running a small business, and you need to look, you need to approach it as, as a small business. You need to have um, you know, you need to have the different functions that are required to successfully run a business. Like you need to have good accounting, you need to have good HR, you need to have good marketing. And so I really approached it as starting from the very beginning with an exercise of one, creating a business plan, right? I think it's very important to have a plan and a vision when you're getting started. So, so you know what you're going to do and, and where you're going to go. And then so I started out with a business plan and then I started out with an org chart and I started out really with a future state org chart for, for how I envision the business growing over time. And really I looked at it as, you know, in five years, where do I think we'll be and, and who will be, 
and kind of what will be the seats on the bus, if you will. And so that that gave me a perspective of, okay. Um, and then I thought about it as, okay, here's all the people I need. And I thought about it, okay, and, and in what order do I need to bring them on? Um, and so that gave me really a good plan on, okay, first I need to find this person. And then once I get this many units, I'm going to need this person. And then I'm going to need that. And so it really gave me a plan on how to grow the business and how to do it really thoughtfully. And things obviously change, but you have to have a path. You know, if you don't have, right, if you don't know where you're going, anywhere is fine. Right. So you've got it. You've got to have a direction and a path, and then you just have to be able to pivot and adjust as things go. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes total sense. I mean, do you mind sharing kind of what at least I know it's not going to be the same for every person, but with your background in exactly, you know, sort of this, how, how did you structure that? Cause I personally, that's something that I've struggled with. It's like, okay, I'm sort of doing everything. How do yeah. I decide like, who I'm going to bring in, when I'm going to bring them in, you know, what are those steps? And it, it's something that I think probably a lot of people are like, get, they get into this business. Okay. I'm just going to do this. And then you probably get to that point where you're, you know, as you said, it's, it's like, if you don't have a plan, you don't have the vision as to what you want that company to look like. Now you're a little bit stuck in, you know, kind of <laughs> limbo of trying to transition from a, a, a one man show to, to, to being a, a true company. Yeah. Um, sure. So I think a couple of things I'll share. One is it's really easy to get stuck working in your business versus on your business. Right. And what I mean by that is it's really easy to get consumed by all the busy work and the day-to-day -day stuff and never have the time to really think about and like take your head out of the weeds and look around and say, okay, what's that next strategic step I need to take. Right. So I, I think it's important to be intentional about scheduling time in your calendar to just focus on your business, meaning the strategy of how is your business changing? How is it growing? Um, you know, and thinking about the future and, and then kind of identifying the steps you need to be able to get there. So I, th I think one, this is a very practical thing. You need to, you need to put it on the calendar. Um, two, I think that like your first hire should probably be an admin assistant. And it doesn't have to be a full-time, you know, person sitting at a desk like next to you. It, it probably likely is a virtual assistant, um, but that's going to be your biggest leverage point, uh, first of all, you know. And and that's true of uh, of anybody. And that was even even when we were um, consulting, you know, businesses. That was that was always a recommendation if it, if it was a, a busy founder, and um, so. Yeah. So, so get an admin assistant. That'll probably free up 30, 40% of your time. If you can hand over, you know, email management and calendar management and booking travel right. and stuff like that. Um, from there you think about, okay, growing out the rest of the team. And, and I think about the business in those three verticals I outlined, right? The, you kind of have your acquisitions or the deals, you have your capital or the money, and then you have execution. Uh, and, you know, the thing about our business, if you're an apartment syndicator, is if you don't have a deal, you don't have anything. And also, if you have a deal, it really solves all your other problems. And so, um, so first, focus on, you know, either you're going to own acquisitions, or you're going to find, or you're going to find or partner somebody that's going to own acquisitions and is going to do that 
um, you know, 24 seven, because it's all, it's all about creating that deal flow that really drives everything else in the business. Right. Um, so I, I would start there. Um, and then you have the money vertical, you know, and, and you've got to either decide, okay, am I going to own this? Am I going to partner with somebody that's going to own this? Or am I going to hire somebody to own this? But again, I think somebody's got to, got to own that. I think it's really, it's really difficult to do both, uh, and, and to own both deals and, and investor relations and, and, and working with lenders and creating those relationships. Um, and then the, the third is the, um, is the execution. And so I think on the execution side, one of your biggest leverage points is going to be your property manager, right? Um, you know, as an apartment syndicator, I, I would not recommend that anyone is directly managing their own properties. You're, you're going to be too stuck in your business and you're not going to have any time. You'll be too stuck on the deal you have and never able to find another deal. Um, so again, you either need to hire somebody internally to, to do day-to-day management, or you need to hire a third party. Um, and then I think as you scale up and you get to the point where you've got a thousand units, 2000 units, then you could look to hire an asset management person that, that really oversees the property manager and really is, is not day-to-day on the property, but is more week to week or month to month. And is really overseeing the execution of the business plan and making sure you're hitting the, the dates and milestones that you've outlined. Um, and so that's kind of a, I guess, a, like a brief overview. I mean, that's perfect. That's, that's exactly what I was looking for. And I, I think really, really good kind of actionable advice for people listening that, hey, here's, here's kind of the steps and figure out, figure which of those, which of those verticals you're going to, you're going to live in, right? Like one of mm-hmm. you, as the CEO, at least in the beginning, one of those is probably going to be your main focus. Now, maybe if you get really, really big, now you've got people under you that are, you're sort of managing in each of those components. But, but at the end of the day, you know, so, somewhere, at least in the beginning, you're going to be probably a, a big part of, of yeah, at least one absolutely. of those. Absolutely. And you may be a big part of, of multiple. I mean, at the beginning, you're going to be a big part of all of them. But I, but I think the people that stay a big part of all of them are the people that don't grow or, or, or at least the businesses that don't grow because you only have so much bandwidth. And so I think you either need to hire or partner your way out of that. Yeah, yeah, makes total sense. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, I, I've heard this said before that you mentioned hiring an executive assistant. And I've heard if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant, which I think mm-hmm. is once you get sort of in the weeds like that and you're just doing all the busy work, yeah. you do realize how, how very true that, <laughs> that statement can be. Um, what does your portfolio look like right now? And I said, mainly in the, in the Midwest, what, uh, what do you have under management? Yeah. So we, we have about 650 units. Um, we have, uh, like I said, properties in, in four cities right now and then we're developing uh, another 300 from the ground up right now and we have uh, another 46 under contract for for acquisition and so um yeah and so we are you know actively pursuing properties kind of in indiana ohio and kentucky um and then we're we're really beginning to and this is part of us expanding our team internally is beginning to expand into, like I said, Eastern Tennessee, um, Georgia and Alabama. We, and we, we had a property in Atlanta that we sold in uh, last June, 
but we had been out of Georgia and now we've started a new development down there uh, through a partnership. I mean, I think that's a great way to expand your geography is through partnerships because I like to have people that are boots on the ground wherever we're, we're doing a project. And, um, and so, yeah, so that's, uh, that's kind of our geography and focus. And are you based out of the Midwest? I know you said you're sort of all your properties are, is, are you kind of local to yep. that area? Yeah, I'm based in Indianapolis. Okay. Okay. So you're close to that and then sort of expanding out, which I think, I mean, you know, I, I guess it depends on what, where you actually live, but it does make sense if it's a, if it's a market that makes sense to an invest in, you might as well start kind of at least semi close to you. So at least, you know, you're within yeah. driving distance or, or, you know, if you need yeah. to. Absolutely. And, and you asked about travel earlier. You asked about if I still traveled a lot. And, and that was an intentional decision. Uh, you know, I, I knew if I was investing, you know, flying distance from where I live, that meant more traveling, that meant being away from home. So I really, I really uh, for several strategic reasons, decided instead of going to, you know, maybe the hottest buzzword markets um, in the country, to really take a different approach. And one, it was to, you know, avoid, avoid all that competition, right? And, and because everybody's flocking to, to certain markets. Two, it was really to own my backyard because I, I have localized knowledge that most people do not have. You know, somebody coming in and flying into Indianapolis to look at deals is not going to know it as good as I am. Um, and, and, and then the other one was, was to avoid having to, to hop on a plane all the time, which I did for 12 years. And, and honestly, I'm just kind of sick of. And so what I did was I drew a, uh, like a three hour radius around Indianapolis and said, okay, here's where we're going to start. Um, and, uh, you know, outside, except for Illinois, I, I really stay out of Illinois just for, uh, political and tax reasons. I lived in Chicago for 12 years. And so uh, I was kind of intimately in, involved in all that. Yeah. Um, so Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky are, are very solid. And so, um, so yeah, so for those reasons, I really decided to, to focus on the Midwest. And then as we've uh, expanded, and as I brought people on the team that now I can leverage, so it's not just me doing everything, we've been able to expand our geographies. Yeah, yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, I, I think, it's interesting. I mean, you came you came from a background of of a lot of travel. I, I so I'm coming from a background of not a lot of travel. So the real estate thing to me, and I live in Los Angeles, so investing locally is a challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, so to me, it's it's a lot more travel than I'm used to. So that's why that sort of struck me as uh, I feel like you you hear a lot about you know people oh we're going to tour these properties or you know on the plane again like that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. if you can invest in your backyard by all means, it makes, makes total sense. Like that's, that's going to save a lot of, you know, away from the family time and stuff like that. So I like it. Um, okay. Let me, let me switch gears a little bit here. I want to ask you, start getting into some of the questions that I ask each guest. Um, and the first one is based on the, the name of the podcast being know your why. And so the big question that I like to ask every guest is, is what is your why? What, what drives you you know, towards success and kind of keeps you going on when the days get hard. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I think my why kind of have two and it's evolved over time. So the, the first and foremost always is my family and particularly my, my children. 
And that, that really, I mean, they drive everything that I do. I mean, I, I want to not only provide them with just an amazing life and all the opportunities that are available, but also just set a good example for them. Because, you know, if, if you are a parent, then, then you understand how closely they watch, they watch what you do. They pick everything up and, and how you, how you interact, how you act yourself, how you interact with others, you know, the things that you say, they're just absorbing it like sponges. And so it, it's really made me very thoughtful about being the best person I can be um, and treating others, you know, the, the best way that I can, because I know that, that they're absorbing every, every minute of it. And so, so they really are, are my why and, and wanting to just be around them and, and be a great dad was, was again, like I talked about at the beginning, one of those catalysts to say, okay, we need to make a change here. Let's figure out the right vehicle to, to get home and be present. Um, the other as what, how it evolved was because real estate investing started out as a very personal endeavor uh, for me. I, I didn't set out to be a, an apartment syndicator. I set out really to just build a portfolio and deploy my capital um, in a smart way. And, and there was a time where I, I was like, well, you know, I think I'm probably just going to like retire. Uh, well, I, I just, I don't have the personality to do that. Um, you know, I was 35 years old and uh, I, I just, you know, I, I just, I knew I had more in the tank. I knew I had more to offer. And uh, I honestly just fell in love with real estate, started out doing smaller projects like fix and flips and uh, you know, single families and duplexes and things, and, and even build out a note portfolio. And then really was introduced to multifamily, saw all the benefits and, and how it, it just beats all those other things. Uh, and, and really dove into that and started with podcasts and books and then led to seminars and conferences and, and coaching and mentoring. And I just, I just fell in love with it. Um, I, I love like the, the tangible nature of it where you can, you can see this property and you can come in and you can improve it and you can improve uh, the condition for the residents and you can uh, also improve the financial position of, of all the people around you. Like, I, I just thought it was amazing when I saw the impact that it was having on my finances um, and how much my wealth was growing. I mean, I'd been a very active stock market investor since I was probably 18 years old. Um, but I can tell you my, the returns that I get from real estate are two, three X, uh, if not five X, some in some projects, what I would typically get in the stock market. So my, my wealth is, has grown um, quite a bit in the, in the last few years. And I'm not saying that, that to brag, I'm just saying that like, like, that's the reason I think it's so important that people understand this. And what I realized being, fancying myself a pretty savvy investor, you know, being a finance major in college that, that really focused on investing, um, and, and having invested for a long time, I had no idea that you could invest in other people's real estate um, and that you could just be passive in it. And that's how I started. I started from 2015 to 2019, just investing passively with other people. Um, and, and I really used that, you know, one for the returns, but as I, as I kind of got more into it, really used it to learn and started building relationships with other syndicators. And that's eventually how I formed my first partnership um, and got on the GP side. And so, all of that because my my mission really has evolved into just wanting to spread the word about this and tell as many people about this as possible. And that's why I started my own podcast, which is Ritter on Real Estate. And 
And that's why I started a meetup in town, a multifamily investing meetup, because it's like, man, more people need to know about this. And it's not something that's widely marketed, you know, on, on TV, all you hear about are 401ks and the stock market and all this. And like, the truth is like that stuff really like doesn't work. If you want to retire in, in a way that in a lifestyle that you're used to, like that stuff just doesn't work. Like it's, I think it's crazy to think you're going to put, you know, let's say 5% of your income away for 30 years and think that you're going to live the next 30 years with the same income that you had the previous 30 years. It's just uh, the, the math just doesn't work out. And I think we're seeing that with people because like the first, the, the first 401k experiments like are now retiring. Right. And I think what we're seeing is people don't, they, they largely don't have the finances that, that they wish they would have had. And so I think you got to have a different plan. You got to take action. My whole point in bringing that up is that that that's what my why has really become is just spreading the word and then facilitating these investments for as many people as possible. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, I probably, <laughs> I agree with you a hundred percent on all of that. I mean, our, our whys are very, very similar. It's, it, and I, a couple of things I wanted to, to talk about there. First of all, how old are your kids? Uh, six, four, and two. Okay. Well, I have a three-year-old and a nine-month-old. So I, ha I have that similar, like young children that are, uh, you know, kind of really <laughs> changed the world for you. But the, mm -hmm. the, the interesting thing you mentioned, you know, as, as part of what them being a part of your why and wanting to, you know, sort of be a good example for them, right? I, I, I think there's value in work and hard work and, and showing them that example, right? So if you're just like, oh, I, I did everything I needed to do. I'm retired now. That doesn't necessarily teach, aside from the fact that it's it's not your personality, I, and I completely understand that. I don't know that I'll ever retire, but it's just your kids aren't going to learn a whole lot how to be, you know, sort of a functional adult if all they ever see is a re retired person, because that's not likely to be yeah, I mean, if, if daddy's just sitting on the couch playing video games, right. all day, then uh, <laughs> right. yeah, that's setting a great example for them to be productive. Yeah. And that's not so yeah, that's not the, the example that you want to set for them. So I think that's a, a, a really great point. The other thing that I'm semi happy to hear, but also surprised is as a as a finance major, that you also didn't know about syndication, like I, I expect it from I'm a veterinarian, like they don't teach us finance. <laughs> None of that comes in vet school. But I would think someone like yourself would have had all of that, you know, sort of in their background. So I no, you know, it's funny, like, I even remember, I mean, it's been, it's been almost 20 years since I've been out of school now. But um, I even remember I took a real estate finance class. And we, we talked about investing in single family homes and how you should buy 10 single family homes and create a portfolio, but nobody ever talked about buying an apartment building. And nobody, nobody ever talked about pooling your money together to buy an apartment building with other people. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, cause, cause I feel exactly the same as now, now that I know about it and I'm like, I don't know why this is a secret. I want to tell every per like, I'm sure some of my friends are just sick of me talking about it. Cause I'm like, this is very powerful. And, mm -hmm. and as you mentioned, your returns, you can't really even compare them to stock market. It's just a different, it's not bad to invest in stocks. It's just a different investment vehicle that, that maybe has different, um, you know, you have different goals, you have different potential there, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's something that, that everybody should know. So I just sort of everything you said in that, I was like, 
Yes, yes, that's <laughs> agree a hundred percent. That's amazing. Uh, second, and that's question. the cool thing. Oh, I was gonna say that, that's just a cool thing about I, I think the uh, kind of the uh, the environment that that we're in of this environment of, of real estate investors. I mean, it's just it's, it's a group of people that think differently. Um, kind of are able to think outside the box or able to kind of look past, you know, I think all the, all the marketing and, and stuff you get told and, and just, just think differently. And I really, I've just enjoyed kind of becoming a member of, of that group and, and interacting with folks like yourself and, and others that, that can think a little differently. Yeah. Agreed. It's, it's, it's almost, uh, yeah, it's almost like this <laughs> like secret club or something like that, where it's like, the people that are investing in real estate are like, yeah, this is what you should do. It's very, it's like, once you mm -hmm. realize it's very clear that this makes a lot of sense, whether you're doing it actively or passively, both of right. them make sense, but it's just be, being, getting in that space is, is the way to sort of get out of the rat race, not have to trade your time for money. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a, a very interesting, um, you know, sort of mindset change for me. Yeah. Um, Second question for you, a little shift of gears, but uh, t tell us something about yourself that, that maybe isn't common knowledge, special skill, a hobby, something that uh, is, is not, not out there that everybody knows. Oh, that's a good question. Or uh, I've, uh, well, if, it, if it's just something interesting, I've, uh, I've walked a tiger on a leash. That's pretty cool. <laughs> we we went to uh my wife and i did our honeymoon in thailand and uh we went to like a, this like tiger sanctuary and uh we literally got to just like walk around and hang out with the tigers it was uh it was a pretty wild experience it's amazing i have done surgery on the tiger but i have not there you go i've never touched one awake i guess <laughs> yeah. that's everything i've ever all the wildlife i've touched has been asleep so it, it's uh under anesthesia so it, it's uh that, that i would actually love that that would be very cool I'll, maybe i'll have to go to thailand someday for that experience that sounds awesome yeah <laughs> um third question for you is when people hear this and they want to get in touch or reach out what would be the best way to reach you and we'll, we'll put every whatever you want in the show notes yeah sure um you know i think my website is really my home base it's kentritter.com and you can, from there, you can access my podcast, all the videos that we do, the educational content we put out, our blog, um, as well as sign up uh, to invest if you're interested. And so that's probably the best way. You can also access my podcast, Ritter on Real Estate, uh, either on YouTube, if you want to see the videos, or anywhere else that the podcasts are, are accessible. Awesome. Okay. Final question, Ken, what piece of advice would you give people that are, you know, maybe a couple of years behind you in their real estate journey? What would you tell them to encourage them or, or guide them? You already, you already gave a ton of actionable advice as far as building that company, but, but just maybe someone in the beginning stages, what would you tell them? Yeah, I think, I think the best piece of advice I can give anybody that's starting out is focus on building relationships with I'd say two, two groups, kind of two and a half groups. So the first one is with your investors, right? And that's something that you need to start way earlier than you think you need to, and probably way earlier than you're going to be comfortable doing it. Uh, way before you have a deal, 
because when you have a deal, it's too late. There's not enough time. Yeah, that's um, a real crunch. <laughs> you have to uh, be warming up your friends and family at the beginning, and then it'll expand beyond friends and family as you develop your business. But your friends and family to the idea that you are a real estate investor and you are somebody that has the expertise and knowledge and trustworthiness for them to uh, give you a significant amount of money. And it's a very different, you really have to change people's perception of who you are because, uh, and, and I say this because when I set out on my first raise, I only raised half as much money as, uh, as my goal. I really underperformed. And the reason I did is because I really underestimated exactly what I'm saying is, is the need to really change people's perception because, you know, they may view you as, for example, like, a guy that, that played football with in high school or a, a fraternity brother in college or a, a golfing buddy, right? Or a coworker. Um, but that's a very different point of view uh, than, trusting, than trusting you with 50 or $100,000 of their money uh, to give them a, a return, right? So I think you need to start early. I think you need to get a, an example deal. You need to put together a presentation and you need to go and you need to, you need to present it and you need to do it formally. Um, I, I tell people like, like, don't make it weird. Like if it's your buddy, you go and get beers with, like, don't, you know, try to do this super formal thing, but say like, Hey, let's go grab a drink. I'd like to run this by you. Right. Yeah. Um, but you need to practice one, your pitch and presenting um, and you need to practice and you need to get them comfortable with the idea of, because a lot of people, like we, like we were just talking about, like, don't, are not familiar with real estate investing. And if you're not familiar with it, the way that our brains work is if it's foreign, it is, it is risky, it is dangerous, right? And so you have to familiarize people with it. And, and you probably have to start with, well, why, why should they invest in real estate? Tell them why they should invest in real estate. Then tell them why they should invest in multifamily real estate versus all the other types of real estate that are out there. And then once they believe they should invest in multifamily, convince them why they should invest in multifamily with you. And then when they believe they should invest with you, then it's time to actually talk about the deal and, and tell them about the actual deal that you have and why that's the deal. Um, so that's why I, I say like, you got to start way before you have a deal and you don't even need to really have a real deal. Just get on a broker's list, get any deal that that looks decent underwrite it because you need to be practicing underwriting anyway at that point you just need to underwrite a lot and then just put that together and, and then at the end you're just say you know so if i brought you a deal that's that was similar to this that had similar to returns as this is that something that you might be interested in and um and i think that that's the right way to get started and start that like six months before you actually think you're going to need to raise money um the other group would be brokers. You got to start building relationships with brokers. Brokers control 90 plus percent of all the deals that are out there, especially if you're looking at things above um, hundred units. And so you, they really are the gatekeepers. You have to start building relationships. You again, have to get them to take you seriously and, and you need to try to become, I mean, try to become their friend. Like that's the best way, really. Like it's an easy way to kind of say it. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the last one, I'd say the half, uh, because they're still important, but not as important as the first two is with lenders and bankers, you know, and, and I think it's important mm -hmm. to, 
start to build relationships with community banks. I mean, you, you can go out and get a, a, an agency loan, Fannie or Freddie, and, and that's very transactional. But there's going to be some instances where you're going to want to use more flexible debt. And that's going to come from a community bank. And, and those are highly relationship driven again. And so start building those relationships um, and, and start, you know, that's what the business plan's for, right? So you know what you're talking about, you know what your vision, and you can, you can outline that for each of those groups. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. That's really great advice. And I think you're spot on. I mean, they're, they're, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard you have to start talking to investors before you think you do. And, you know, it's going to be, you're, it's, you're going to raise half of what you think you're going to have to. And it's like, yeah. And then everybody's still I'm definitely does the not, same the thing. Right. Yeah, everybody not the only it, one. Yeah. Everybody says it, but everybody still like, everybody does it. It's like, you don't, you, you definitely are unprepared to raise capital until you actually have to raise capital. I think it's just like, it's, it, it's, it's so true. Like you have to prime this, but it, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that people necessarily take it that seriously until you have an actual deal. I, I, I don't know. I, I, but I also know that I didn't do what I should have done. Like it was like, I should have been even more pushing, you know, more talking about it and stuff. So it's, yeah. it's a, it's a thing that can't be, can't be stressed enough. Right. It's just like, that's going to be because most people are uncomfortable with that. Most people are uncomfortable with, raising capital and asking for those, you know, those investment amounts. And yeah. most of the Let people me, you're asking are uncomfortable <laughs> with it. So, as well. so it's a, um, so I, I think there's a lot of limiting beliefs involved, right? Uh, there's a lot of limiting beliefs involved. You know, why, why would they want to, why would they ever invest with me? Who am I to do this? Right. Oh, they're not going to want to listen to me. That stuff's all in your head. It's all in your own head. It's not in anybody else's head. It's just in your own head. So you gotta you gotta get past that stuff, and I, and I think one way to do that is you gotta you gotta change your story, right? Like like you even said, and, and I'm definitely not calling you out, but you even said you know um, that what was the language you used? Something like oh yeah, you want to ask? You, it's uncomfortable asking for money. Right. Don't ask for money. Offer them an opportunity that's going to improve their lives, right? And, and, and if you can shift your mindset to that, that if you can shift your mindset to, to this is really like a service you're offering. Like if you don't offer it, like if you don't offer this to your best friend, your best friend is not going to be as, as well off financially as they could be. You're really doing them a disservice. If you love them and like them, why, why wouldn't you want to put them in the best position that they can? And so it's your job to help them get over their own limiting beliefs um, and, and, and get there because ultimately it is going to be the best thing for them. I mean, as long as you know what you're doing and as long as you, you have a good plan in place, right. But it, 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 it really is. So, so look at it as you are offering them a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent. Right. And I, and even when I hear, I, sometimes I hear myself say it, I'm like, oh yeah, you're asking for money. And I'm like, no, you're not, you're not asking for money. I, you know, and it's just, it's yeah. getting past all that stuff. It's, so you're, you're right on. It's, it's, it's it, not it, easy. It's not easy. It's I, I did all the same stuff and, and I do, I still do all the same stuff. I mean, I have moments where, you know, those, those limiting beliefs, once you, 
like you say, people say they crush limiting beliefs. Like, like you can get past them, but they sneak up. They're sneaky. Right. <laughs> They're still and, in uh, the background. Yep. And, and so you, you just have to be vigilant with, you have to be vigilant with your mindset. And, and I think the story that you tell yourself. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think that is a perfect piece of advice to end that on. I want that to be the last thing that people hear. That's, that's phenomenal. Um, but Ken, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this was great. I, I think uh, everything you said is, is spot on and, and people can actually use it, can really, you know, kind of take that and run with it and, and put it to use in their business and their, their investing. So thank you. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Th thanks for having me on, Jason. I, I really enjoyed talking with you and uh, yeah, hopefully, Hopefully people can learn from my lessons learned and, uh, and avoid some of those mistakes. And, and hopefully they go out and raise money and they raise double their goal. That would be awesome. That would be perfect. Yeah. Here's to raising double your capital. There you <laughs> go. Capital goals. All right. Well, have a great day and we'll go ahead and, and sign out. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.